You're listening to The Deal. I'm Danny Brown. Today's guest out of Jupiter, Florida, Holly Meyer Lucas. She is a baller. She's got a huge business, team of 30, deals with a lot of professional athletes. Her husband is also an ex-big leaguer, Ed Lucas, had a long 18 years in the professional ranks uh, and now with the Giants organization. But she's going to talk us through how she's balancing crazy mom life, family life with her big business and her work ethic, which is just unparalleled. She really grinds. You can find Holly at holly.meyerlucas on Instagram. You can also find her at the Meyer Lucas team or her website. You can always find me at Danny Brown LA. School is in session. Please subscribe and leave us a comment at Apple Podcasts or YouTube or wherever you digest your content. Uh, That really helps us. And tune in, Holly Meyer Lucas. Holly, welcome to The Deal. Good to see you. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yes, coming live from Jupiter, Florida, just above uh, Palm Beach. I've been trying to get you on for a while. I'm glad we were able to sync up the, the schedules and get to work here. So tell me what's going on in Jupiter. How's the market over there? Yeah, no doubt. Our, I mean, Florida is, is white hot right now. It still is. Um, we had a major pop before the pandemic and then after the, the pandemic, as one does. Um, I feel like the rest of the country, like this is, that's the same for everywhere. But here uniquely, we're not following the national media um, trends that are being, you know, uh, across the country. Like we haven't really slowed down here, which has been amazing. Wow. So you're still cooking there. Stuff is still flying and prices are staying high. And and I imagine it's a similar shortage of inventory, like everyone's feeling. Yeah, it is. We have a lot of um, the shortage of inventory and the I will say the buyer fatigue is really felt in that interest rate, um, you know, and this is true pretty much everywhere um, it, where the interest rates really apply to people. So everyday normal people. Um, I'm in a market that uniquely is um, where high net worth people and celebrities, entertainers, athletes relocate. So I'm in a very it's not lost on me. I'm in a I'm in a bubble um, for that, for sure. But what's happening is people are moving in from California, for example, yep. high net worth people, and they're moving for salt tax reasons and for um, you know quality of life reasons. And people here are cashing out and they're moving to the Carolinas or Tennessee. And um, so there's Got this it. big super highway that's happening right yeah. now, which is fascinating. My people are coming your way and your people are going to the Carolinas. It's, that's, what's, that's what's happening. So they're probably getting a lift there as well. So for people that don't know, uh, you're you're just above Palm Beach, just north, you know, of Miami, Boca, Palm Beach, then Jupiter. A lot of athletes and a lot of high uh, net worth people move there. Uh, give me a breakdown, an average house there. I know it's a huge range, so maybe start. What's the entry level price and what's the high end price and what's the bread and butter range for your area, just so people that aren't familiar with it will know. Yeah, it's a great question. So in my area, you can't really buy a single family home for less than five hundred thousand dollars. And you can't spend more than I think the highest price home is like a hundred million right now. My average price big point spread. is between That's a big spread. Yeah, it is. It is. It's crazy. And the craziest thing in real estate, honestly, is like it, you can pick up the phone and have a thirty million dollar buyer on the other end that's relocating from California that found you on Zillow. Like it is opportun. It's a sea of opportunity here, which is wow. um, on one hand really cool, and on the other hand, for us salty veterans, it's frustrating when like a newbie I I love it like love 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 to see it but um our my average price point is between one five and two five and um and then we in the luxury space we play between like 15 million and the highest home I've ever sold is like a 30 million 
Yeah, so it's not so different than the L.A., Southern California, and the Miami prices. You know, I've spent a lot of time there, Coconut Grove and different parts of, of Miami. So it seems like the high end there is very similar as it is ever. So what what is that, if you get in the bread and butter price range, what's the, that $2 million house looking like in terms of size, bedrooms, how close you are to the water, if at all, you know, that just so people have yeah. an idea, context. So to be on the water, you can't really be on the water without spending around four to five million. That $2 million home is, I always say it's the ones that you're seeing on Pinterest that have like the, the upgraded great kitchen, but you know, 4,000 square feet, limited yard. Our, our, issue, our markets are actually really similar. We don't have like big, big yards here per small se. Lot. Like they're, yeah, small lots. You're really paying for land if you're, if you get a bigger lot or you're out somewhere very far removed. Yeah, uh, water really dictates the price point too. What type of water you're on? We have a lot of these man-made bullshit lakes here. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but yeah, my God, the um, oh my gosh, these like man-made and because our water table's so high, so these things are like, and so people call that waterfront, but they're not. They're man-made, <laughs> man-made. That's like being in Palm Springs in the desert here. All right, so I'm gonna rewind. Let's go back to uh, the Holly story, get personal here. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up and how you grew up. I know you've moved around a lot, lived overseas, and I wanna tie that back into how that relates to your business life today. But let's start with you know where you grew up. I know it was a lot of different places, but walk us through that, uh, and then we'll yeah. start with how you started in real estate. But first, the background of how you got there. Yeah. So I have one of those um, stories that it just, when someone asks me where I'm from, it's like full anxiety because I feel like I'm lying, whatever my answer is there. I'm from Jupiter right now, <laughs> but I grew up in, I was, my parents are, um, are from the Pacific Northwest. My dad's German. I grew up in Germany, moved back to the States. My parents actually went to UCLA there. Um, wow. Where in LA do you live? Like, like personally? Uh, I'm, I live five minutes from UCLA, Cheviot Hills, Century City, Beverly Hills. So yeah. What high school did you go to? I went to University High, which was named after UCLA, yeah. the high school that fed to UCLA. Yeah, my grandparents went there. Oh, go Warriors, U-Town. Yeah. I probably went there with them. I'm about as old as your grandparents. <laughs> it's so funny hearing them talk about the like heyday of um, LA and like Manhattan Beach and Newport Beach and that whole, the whole evolution of Hollywood. And it's it's so crazy even thinking about how the last like like 70 years, what has happened in LA, it's very similar to what's happening here in our area where people are like the good old days of when, you know, the two-lane street and the it, the way that you used to be able to pull up to Manhattan Beach, it's really similar to what we're seeing over here, like what my grandparents used to talk about. So I bet, and I wanna get into that as well. That's a really important topic. So don't let me forget to bring that up because I always talk about how LA uh, had its explosive moment it, multiple times, in the, but the 60s, 70s, 80s, and now Florida, South Florida, seems to be having that unbelievable explosive moment. We'll get back to that. So yeah. your dad is German. So when you said you were raised in Germany, are we talking like what ages are we? Where'd you go to high school? Here, Germany, or both? Yeah, so I um, I went to a, I, so I moved to Germany when I was eight and then moved back when I was 15. I um, I played soccer in college. And when I moved back to the States, uh, or my parents identified basically that like in order for us to double down on our athletic careers, putting air. Well, you went to Tennessee or Vanderbilt? I know. I started at, um, I went to Baylor first and then I ended up at University of Tennessee. Nice, yeah. volunteers. Um, yeah, but I moved. I mean, the, the takeaway is I moved so many times when I was little. Um, my dad was part of that, 
that generation of tech pioneers in the Silicon Valley. And, um, and he actually negotiated the deal that basically brought Napster to CD burning. Oh my God. Claim to fame. He works for me now. He's an agent for me now. And it's so funny. Like we always joke about how when a deal goes sideways, it's like, that's nothing compared to the artists coming after the people that made Napster connected yeah. to CD burning. Like yes. he can handle anything. Wait, so he worked with, was it Sean? Was it Napster was the founder? No, he was on the CD burning side. So he worked for Roxio, which is- Roxio. Um, so my background, my background before real estate, I was in the music business. Oh, no way. I, that era was the Napster era when everything was shifting. And that is the reason why I pulled out. I'm like, I'm gonna go to a more stable business because I saw the music business was changing dramatically in the day of signing artists, developing artists, releasing records, selling records or CDs was gone. And no one knew what the business model was going to be. And I remember working with a few startup, a few tech friends of trying to figure out how we could start up a little Roxio or a little CD burning thing, but never happened. But anyway, that's another backstory. Yeah. So you that grew up so all over the place. That is so interesting. Um, I think that time, like, yeah, as um as a kid, so I was in middle school and high school when all of that went down, and it was so fascinating to me, just IP in general and how creators and um I think it's it's one of the reasons I think why I um I'm I do well with working with these celebrities because I, I get it, like I get what their like the magnitude is. Um, seeing it firsthand, literally seeing it firsthand. I went to this school called the Munich International School, which is like my I, I was able to go there because my mom was a teacher, and um and I just seeing this, the difference between the haves and the have nots early on and like people that are in charge of decisions and in the United States, it's, it's really prepared me for working in an environment like Palm Beach and Jupiter where, you know, Fortune 500 CEOs and it's a who's who of, of, um, of people that live here. So, all right, in, incredible background, which I wanna, I want to tail into, you know, when you when you move around a lot and when you live overseas and learn a language and learn a culture, you're forced to adapt. You're forced to learn all these social skills. You're constantly put in uncomfortable situations that the average person usually shies away from and melts. But what I have noticed in my my years is that people that have been raised like that often enter adult life equipped with a set of tools, a toolbox for socializing and being able to relate to every type of person and be able to handle pressure in a different way because they've been in that their whole life, they were raised in it, it becomes sort of their natural environment of being comfortable, uh, being comfortable, being uncomfortable or getting comfortable with those uncomfortable situations. So it seems like for sure you had that. Uh, before we get into that, just tell me how the real estate career happened. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're dead on the money with all of that. It's so, so true. It's funny when you ask someone that, that's grown up all over the place that the um, the way that they handle that answer is if they're a pro at it, it's trying to gauge your answer first. So it's like, give me where you're from first and then I'll find the common ground with that because I'm from so many different places, you know? And so to um, use that as a segue, real estate, I always say this, like real estate chose me. Like I had no other choice than to go into real estate. I graduated college with an international business and German degree, which basically meant nothing. My husband played professional baseball. I got pregnant. Yes, a baseball player. Some of my best friends played. I have there Kevin Millar and Manny. And Who is that? 
Kevin Millar, who's now old, your, your husband will know, was my best yeah. friend growing up from high school. And that was a picture of me and Manny at Yankee Stadium when he played for the Red Sox with Kevin. I, I played in college, but I uh, never, never played in the show like your husband. So what? Where did you go to college? Uh, ended up at USC here in LA. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah, we have our USC alumni clinic this Saturday. We do it every year. I host yeah. it with a couple of my uh, alumni buddies, have a bunch of kids from the inner city and all over LA. It's free. We get the team and the coaches out there. It's an awesome day. So that's side cool. note though, but mad respect. I and mean, that's a whole nother thing. Your husband was on the road as a professional athlete. So you both have this interesting yeah. story of being able to be in a lot of different areas and ask, obviously yeah, it's like it's it, so if you ever encounter a baseball player big leagues minor leagues whatever it, literally they have lived everywhere like they are sent all over the united states and um and and, and the worst parts too. they're not going to munich and paris yeah. and london and tokyo yeah. <laughs> you yeah. go through the minor yeah. leagues it's a torture test yeah. you're in the worst the best parts Burlington, Iowa. Yeah, there you go. You're going to Dakota and the Atlantic League. Yeah, yeah. You got into real estate not so long ago, less than 10 years ago. Was that your first yeah. business, your first career, or were you no, doing other things? So I was selling um, medical software. I'm very, very techie. Um, I got that from my dad. And so I was selling medical enterprise software. I actually, uh, USC and Laco, so LA County, were, the, were one of my clients. So I did like pathology mergers and yeah. Um, there, God, that campus is is unbelievable. Um, not that the, I mean the campuses, but the medical it, it, people don't appreciate that about LA County. That that Laco Health System is is like next level with the investments that they make. I digress. Um, did I lose audio? Are you still there? Are you there? Um, so oh, you were in medical I, sales. So hardcore background in sales. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And the benefit of working. In like, and I think this is true for any real estate agent, the benefit of coming from a corporate career is that you have the training on how to compose an email, how to do a follow-up email, how to send a, a calendar invite, um, how, to close, how to close a deal and negotiate from like a, a technical perspective, right? And um, the reason I always tell real estate agents that is if you're working with someone that, that is in sales themselves or is an executive, the expectations that you are sending that follow-up email and the thank you note and the the next steps and buttoning it all up is it's you have to know how to do that. And so doing a crash course on something like that, I mean, that's the biggest benefit of coming out of the corporate world for sure. But I, I basically, um, I got, um, my husband, and I got married. I, I got pregnant and realized that his career is like I, I, real estate. Just, it was the most natural thing for me to do. I was doing it like on the side too, without a license, like all my baseball, wife friends were relocating to Jupiter and mostly for spring training, but also for just in general living here. And I was like, I can help you. So I was like air traffic controlling all these spring training rentals and, you know, helping them find homes. And I was like, I, I should be licensed. So I don't get like sued for this. Okay. So it was an organic evolution. It makes sense for those that are listening that don't understand what she's talking about with spring training. There's only a few hubs in the United States uh, where you are in Florida, St. Lucia and, uh, Jupiter is one of the major hubs where all the professional or a good amount of professional teams are there for six, eight weeks in spring training and all the players need housing because it's only temporary. So there was probably a flood of housing needs. You have a pipeline because your husband uh, was playing and, and our coach, he still is coaching, right? He's still involved with baseball. Yeah. yeah, he's on the player development side. 
He's with um, the, the Giants, San Francisco Giants. Oh, I don't like that. Come on, let's get him on the Dodgers. We need help. We just got eliminated last night. We need help. I know, it was bad. Uh, and I know Gabe Kapler as well, so that was a bummer. Oh, really? But it's a tough business, as your husband knows. Everyone goes. All right, so that's just a little background. So there's athletes coming there. You have the sales background. You have a corporate background. And you have a people background. So this is like the trifecta for you. You're starting in a market that's just starting to explode. Uh, micro and macro, the real estate market was going, but Jupiter, sort of that whole area uh, was really taking off and you jumped in and was it just all in day one and learn and absorb and it started getting hectic? Talk to me about some of those challenges in those early days, that first year or two. Yeah, it's, uh, oh my God, the, jumping in headfirst into an area where the, like my first couple of deals were, um, were, I'll say this, my first year of real estate, I did like 80 rentals, like, which is if you work in real estate, that is insane. A number that is unfathomable. Like, like, and, and at the time it's the classic example of at the time I didn't know any better. And I didn't know that like, that it, that was a lot. <laughs> That's torture. Um, but, uh, eight, eight leases is killer. I don't want to do a lease. They're so, they're so problematic and yeah. difficult. Dude, I have like PTSD. Yeah, but you got in front of 80 transactions right away, 80 humans and all the people related. That's an unbelievable situation. So you dove in and took it. A lot of agents were like, no, 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 I'm not making any money. I'm not spending my time. So that was your beginning. That is it. Yeah, that's it. It's the secret sauce. Like you're in front of two people. You're in front of the landlord because their agent wants nothing to do with it, right? And you're in front of the tenant. So it is, it, rentals are, are the way of the world. But I started my team also kind of from day one. Like I got a come list me call at the, I started um, with Keller Williams and I was in the bullpen and we got like a come list me call to the office, which by the way, never happens, especially not at KW. <laughs> right. And, um, and that's not a knock at KW. It just doesn't happen. And anyway, so I go on this listing appointment and from my corporate background, I start selling the concept of we, and like this like solution of all the things yeah. that we are going to do. And Keller I leave Williams. these people's house. Yeah, exactly. So I leave these people's house and I close them obviously because I'm the goat and I leave and I'm like, I have no we, I have no system. I don't even know like photos. I What do I, I do next? Who do like 1-800 listing photos? Like what the hell do I do now? <laughs> so I go back to the KW office with this like signed listing agreement, which they signed, di didn't even question it. I, this whole story is so funny when I unpack it because it's like ignorance is bliss. Like it is bliss. I will never have the same energy going into that appointment that I'll never be able to recreate that my entire life because I now know everything that can go wrong. Anyway, so I go back to the office and I have to find a we because that's what I just sold. And there was this girl sitting there. Her name's Savannah Unruh. She was 19 years old. And I was like, would you like to form an alliance with me? <laughs> and um, so she had had- Partnership made in heaven. I love it. Yes. Yes. I had done all rentals. She had closed two deals. So together we had sold homes. And um, 82 homes I figured it out from there. <laughs> so you jumped in, you really yeah. figured it out. And, and there's a couple interesting points to tease out. Of course, the ignorance is bliss. You don't know what you don't know. And sometimes that gives you blind confidence and that blind confidence gets you in the door and gets you the deal and gets you closed. And then you have to have the, oh shit moment. What do I yeah. do now? And you either collapse and put your head in the sand or you figure it out quick and you keep taking yeah. steps forward. And that's what you did. So I will say it's an important, um, and I always, anytime I tell that story, I always point this out. It's an important disclosure. The first listing appointment that I went on was, was what it was. The subsequent five, I royally fucked up. Like 
you cannot, this is not a business where you can fake it till you make it. You can wing it a little bit, but faking it until you make it and winging it is are two different things and preparation in this business. Like when I look back on some of the meetings that I would go to just completely unprepared because of the confidence I had on that first one, like don't do that. <laughs> don't do you that. You said, hey, I'm just bringing the Holly magic. I'm the goat. It's on. You're just going to listen right. to me. Did a second one. I walked in, didn't even do a CMA. Yes. I remember sitting there and because um, the first one, they did, they knew what they wanted to listen for or whatever. And I'm sitting there in the, the next, subsequent ones. I didn't know how to do a CMA. I didn't know that that was like, you know, because you don't know what you don't know. No duh. Right. And I remember they were like, well, what do you think we should list the house for? And I had like, when I say I had no idea, it was like I, the difference between like 500 and 700, which is about a quarter of the amount of, right. Oh my God. 40% or so. Not a good, not a good look for, but you live and learn. And that's the takeaway is that continue like doing a postmortem that's something from the corporate world too, doing a postmortem and sitting and writing down, here is how I fucked up. One, two, three, seven, eight, ten, like right and what to do differently. And sometimes the mistake, it's powerful to unravel that the mistake was just being stupid, like bottom line. But how to do different next time, and that's been my secret sauce forever. Well, that's a good that's a good platform to, for improvement and excellence is you just keep learning whether you're it's your first year in the business 10th 23rd i feel like i'm always learning there's always something new there's always a wrinkle or a nuance just like in sports you know growing up in sports you know like they're always studying the tape they're always studying the footwork with any plant his body there's so many wrinkles upon wrinkles and nuances and situations so you got to have that mindset of growing and learning at all times and in the beginning you better be wide open to getting help uh, if you need it and learning, you know, it, whatever you need to know. So talk me through now, today, 2023, uh, we're now in October, fall. What what does Holly's business look like now in terms of, you know, you said you're a team. Uh, obviously, you work with a lot of pro athletes in that area, plus your husband's a professional athlete and coach. So talk to me through just like the breakdown of what business looks like today. And then I want to go through what does a typical day look like starting from the morning you know, when you get up. So first, what does your business look like in terms of team and types of deals and clients? Whatever you can know, share. I 30, I have 30 team members. 30? Yeah, our ratio, and I keep it at 30. I keep it at 30. I keep it at 30 specifically because that's my manageable threshold of agents and support staff. So we have a, a roughly a one to six uh, agent to support staff ratio. Um, I have a, a chief of staff who is like my right hand. She's my paid and hired muscle. If you're a ADHD entrepreneur like me, that'll make sense to you. Like she's the bad guy to my like fun uncle-ness and um, she's amazing. That is the secret sauce to team leadership in my opinion. Um, so the agents all report to and through her. And then um, and then I have a marketing director and, um, and uh, um, we leverage interns, agent associates, um, the team is, our, our dynamic is truly a team environment. And it's basically because that's all I've ever known. Like I am one of four kids and I've always been on a team. I've always been the captain of the team. And so having the ability to delegate and to empower and to hype others up and be the cheerleader, like that's my job. I'm completely out of production at this point. I sell maybe two homes a year um, out of the 200 that we sell. Um, and those are the ones that are like, well, I'm going to work with you because you're my like friend and I am going to enjoy this. Um, 
feel like that should be edited out because now I feel like all of my friends are going to be like, well, you made me work with one of your agents. <laughs> it's okay. Um, it's okay. So there's, so um, there's, let me just slow this down because this is important. So you have a chief of staff, who's sort of like a CEO under you that everything runs through her. She's a salaried person or she's a commission or both? Salaried. salaried. So you have a salary person. Then you have a one to five or one to six ratio. So that sounds like five or six support staff and 20 to 25 agents. Is that approximately right? The agents now, a support staff, are those uh, all salary people or is it a combo of salary? So you have a good amount of people on salary, that's your team that funnels to you. Everyone else that's an agent, I assume, is commission-based like most, most agents. Do these team members work uh, in different areas, different price points? different or is it just different niche networks like how how does that how does that work so i've tried i have tried it all with that and i'm always tooling around with the best way to do that and i have found that the best way for my agents to be structured is for them to sell what they know and to who they know so any inbound lead um the the vast majority of my business is um office calls and um which this keeps doing this literally speak of the freaking devil um Anytime, anytime I like reach up like that, does my audio cut out? That's so annoying. Sorry. Um, so anyway, so the inbound leads come in and then we determine uh, what agent or agent pair is the best to work with that client. So if it's a referral inbound from California, for example, I have three agents on my team that are from like Huntington Beach specifically. Yeah. Depending on the personality type. And I do also, one thing that's very unique to my team is, is the vast majority of our deals are done in pairs. So they're usually two agents that work with every single buyer, um, certainly every listing, but, um, and I do that for single point of failure reasons, which is a kind of a healthcare thing. So tell me, you say, it sounds like you have a lot of incoming leads, maybe. Uh, yeah. So is the majority of their business generated incoming through you or does everyone also yeah. have their own personal network and it's a balance? Yeah, it's, it, you know, I, I, um, I foster, I do as much training and um, and I pour into them to be able to to build their own spheres and to generate business for themselves and give them the tools. But the vast majority of the agents that are with my team are, are ones that are either over that, like have done it and are over it. Um, I have a lot of agents that have been on other teams and uh, don't want to be cold calling and doing bullshit. So if there's a come list me call, like, there you go, go and do it. Um, they, uh, they do have spheres, but my it's like your vibe attracts your tribe, right? So I'm the champion of the new kid and um, and helping agents who just don't have the spheres that, um, uh, let me rephrase that, the vast majority of my business is inbound and the agents that I have are the best equipped to handle that versus wanting to go and hunt. Yeah, yeah, so you're trying to match up, you're a matchmaker within your team Who's yeah. the best fit for this specific lead? Are these incoming leads all people in your sphere? Or if you break down like percentage of people that you've never met or don't know versus, oh, this is your personal network coming in. Is it 50-50? Is it 90 personal 10? Is it? It's a mix. It's a mix. So I um, I have a lot of inbound, like personal, I, I call them personal sphere leads. Yeah. But it's mostly um, it's mostly people that have uh, that have some kind of experience with the team or me in some capacity. Um, and then the other side of that is uh, our website is really, really strong. I built it and manage it in-house and um, our, we crush SEO. Actually, in 2018, when the 2018 tax reform 
went through, I noticed a crazy uptick on our website from people from California. And so I doubled down on all things, California to Florida, super highway. And we just raked all the, the in, it seemed like if you, you, like you couldn't be in California and search Palm Beach, Florida, real estate and not hit our website. It was magic. And that's just from paying attention, you know, paying attention to the news and, and paying attention to the analytics on the back end. Like everyone nowadays has access to analytics on your listings, on your Instagram, just watch that and go to where the puck is. Like that's, that's what I've always done. I always say this, I double down when it works and bail when it doesn't. And I get a lot of business from, um, from fin wealth advisors, financial advisors, sports agents, business managers, um, in the sports and entertainment space. Yeah. So talk to me a little, let's dig a little deeper on the analytics and go where the puck is. I love that. Uh, there's so many of us, including myself, that don't take advantage of the the SEO and just the general analytics information we get. So talk to me a little bit about, dig deeper, an example of like what you just said, there was a tax reform, people in California. So does that mean you started marketing, you started spending marketing dollars digitally, or what does that actually mean? What are some things yeah, so, you did? So we started um, placing straight up Google ads, like Google AdWords, um, targeting people from specifically, like if this, then that. So if they're in California searching for this, then, um, and then retargeting those people, Facebook, like Facebook makes it so easy to place ads. But I will say that that they, all of this is, when I say easy, all of this is very, is very complicated. And you should, if you're not techie, I, I'm very, very techie. Like I have a commercial grade printer that costs like more than my life. And I, like I, I can run that kind of thing. Do as I say, not as I do, hire, luxury presence to do this for you and ask for the analytics because they'll go over that stuff with you. It's it's more the takeaway is not how to do it. It's that you should be doing it and paying attention. Either it. learn it or delegate and outsource to yes. someone who does it. And there are experts yeah. ever. I love it. So what are some of your biggest challenges now uh, having a good having a big team? I, <laughs> I real estate, real estate's a weird bird, man. It's it, being a team leader in real estate is so challenging because on I, my first and foremost goal always is to empower my team and empower my agents to make the most money possible and to have work-life balance, which is what everybody, every, nobody gets into real estate out of college. And if you did, correct me if I'm wrong. No, yeah. I didn't. I was in the music business. Yeah. <laughs> nobody goes to college and goes, I want to be a real estate agent. It's like the fallback plan or like, it's the thing that happens. Right. And I, I love that because making the transition from your personal brand, let's, you know, say Danny, the music industry executive going into real estate, like that's a tough transition to have to tell your friends and yeah. your family and right. It's weird. It feels weird. Your LinkedIn profile, it's kind of a conundrum. It's a whole thing. So one of the things that, that I take pride in is helping agents through that process and then really building them up to being awesome. And, you know, we do mailers and social media. I mean, just, we make our agents look incredible and the byproduct of that is every once in a while there's shitheads that come into my ecosystem and see get they get a taste of what it's like to work with a celebrity they get their wealth advisors contact information and then all of a sudden they're soliciting them directly they're trying to do this shady shit and um i i think the biggest challenge is you know we have all the agreements in place i have like the uh, my agent agreement is like 17 pages long but there's still shitheads that um and i call them shitheads because that's what they are there's when you enter my ecosystem and when you enter into any relationship or agreement, setting the expectation from jump is super important that if and when you leave, more like when you leave, because that's you know the way of the world, um, there are expectations in place to not solicit 
the clients of the place you're leaving. Hello, duh, what the fuck is wrong with you people? And um, yeah, and it's like you sign off on that. And uh, it's challenging for me to stomach it when it happens because it's like, really? Like, come on, man. I helped you explain to grandma why you're in real estate now after she paid for your $50,000 degree. Come on. Yeah. You're going to do this thing? Yeah, yeah. It's like after all you've done and all you've put into them, time, energy, money, yeah. and then they're taking more. And, uh, you know, that's a big thing with partnerships and teams planning the exit, the divorce, the business divorce, yeah. so to speak, because that is the reality. Most people aren't going to be there 10, 20, 30 years. If they are, that, that's incredible. And those people, if they're good, should be rewarded. But I love that. So let's now talk about some personal stuff. Do you have a, uh, a routine, a morning routine? And what does your mornings look like? Because you have a big life at business. You also have kids and husband and personal and the balance, we all try to balance the best we can. But let's talk about, do you have a morning routine, uh, fit, whether it's fitness or whether it's meditation or anything, walking the dog? Yeah. So, okay, so I'm, I, here's the disclosure. I'm 36, almost 37. I have three boys. They're three, eight, and 10. My husband travels nonstop for work. So he's gone basically half the year. And um, my routine is everything, uh, everything. So I, I I would say I, my routine is completely inflexible while my kids' routine is completely flexible. So meaning like I have the guardrails up for myself. And then when it comes to my kids stuff, I keep them as fluid as possible. So my routine is um, in, I'm a morning person. I think if you're not figure out how to be, I'm obsessed with, with the morning. Like the morning should be your time to, to really cleanse yourself of all the shit that's been happening in your life. And kickstart the day how you want to how you start your morning is everything um so i get up early and uh and my my time with my kids is in the morning and i'm pretty outspoken about this i don't have and we don't have family dinners in the traditional sense and i don't prioritize family dinners the kids eat what they eat my nanny prepares what they what she prepares but when you work in real estate especially in a leadership position but when you are a real estate agent your job often begins at five o'clock and if you're trying to hold on to, because people get off of work at that time and they want to do their personal life stuff. It is insane how many people try to make it in this industry, try wanting to dial out at five o'clock, and especially at the beginning, like when they first get into real estate. When you first get into real estate, you have to make yourself available, I digress. So we prioritize family breakfast and our mornings are amazing. I have like two hours with my kids in the morning. I get them up early too. And then it takes the pressure off of, those late night, uh, you know, phone calls that we have to take where I'm pacing in the driveway and my kids are sitting at the dinner table. It, it just takes the pressure off completely. So how early is early? What does that look like? What's your normal? So, yeah. So I get up at my kids school starts at eight. So I get up at five and then I have an hour. <laughs> this is what it is. Um, and then I have an hour between five and six and then I get my kids up at six and then we have that two hours to, um, like, we don't have the, the like, my God, growing up, it always felt just like such a madhouse of getting out of the house and getting everyone like, I mean, it just like, we don't do that. And I'm a stickler for that. Like, I will not live in a household where the morning is disarray. You know what I'm talking about? Like the minivan. And the That's my house. <laughs> That's my house. I have three kids and it's that. It's chaos. Getting them out of bed, getting them to eat, brush their teeth, get them dressed. Did you remember your cleats? Did you remember your bat? Did you remember this? Your book? Your Yeah, that's my house. Thanks. Yeah. Well, it's funny. So I'm, I'm super outspoken about it, particularly because it, it manifests that I don't participate in that. The chaos. Like, my polio, my polio thing. 
like I don't participate in morning chaos. And so the more I say it, the more like my kids believe it and I believe it. I'm gonna say I don't participate in morning chaos. Yes, let's go, let's do <laughs> So are you doing any uh, personal reading, journaling, meditation in that hour working at, like what happens in that that magic hour of, of your time? Yeah, so in the morning I, I do whatever I want to do. And um, the reason I'm saying it like that is because it's, it, I take the pressure off of like, of, you know, there's like this school thought that like meditating and reading and setting intentions, whatever, whatever needs to be done. If there's an email that's like, that I need to get done, I get it done then. If I need to do something for social media, whatever, I get it done. Like that hour is quiet time. And if that means I have the opportunity to read, cool. I don't drive anywhere without listening to something either. Like I am mainlining podcasts and audiobooks, and um, I take the long way to work for that reason. So I get at least, at least 20 minutes of um of audiobook time or podcast time in my car as part of the commute and um and so i do mainline um stuff like that but it's just not in that that first hour understood i love that so it's your hour to take care of whatever you find to be priority i love that and managing the work life family uh, balance so once you get to work uh, it sounds like your your focus on work and family stuff gets handled after yeah, I spend a lot of money on outsourcing stuff for my family. So I don't cook, I don't clean, I don't do laundry. And I'm very outspoken about that too, because I am a solo threaded mom. And I think disclosing that is super important. Like you can't be as productive as I am if you have to do that stuff too. And it's expensive and it's it's annoying to have to pay for all of that stuff, but I my household wouldn't function otherwise. So I am not on top of everything doing all of those things. Um, I have a nanny who's amazing. I leverage au pairs. Uh, we don't have an au pair right now, but I usually have an au pair, which is a game changer. And um, and then when I get to the office, uh, I usually get here around eight. And um, and that first hour, one thing that's really important to me is I also have that first hour between eight and nine before my team all gets here to really get shit done by myself. I'm I have ADHD to the nth degree, and so I ha scheduling time for me to really be alone is like very important. It's interesting. So those strategic hours in the morning, one on your own and then one before yeah. people come in, it seems to really set up your day. So I love hearing yeah. that. Well, talking about listening uh, to podcasts, what are some of your favorite things that you listen to in your, terms of podcasts? The, the deal. deal with Danny Brown, I hope you I hope you're tuning yeah. in. But what are some uh, other podcasts other than my worldwide incredible podcast? I did a lot. Your, um, your episode I love that. He is my favorite human. I love him so much. He's the best. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. He is incredible. The Doogie Howser of real estate. I love him. I was just he texting is. with him this morning. He is incredible. Did you make that up? Have you heard that? Before? No, no, no. He told me about it and I've been calling him that. He said, yeah, somebody, I, I don't think, I, I didn't make that up. I feel like he was known as that because he was like 16 selling big house. Anyway, wonderful guy. Hi, Jonathan. Shout out. So what are some of the, uh, you know, let's go podcast books, things that you feel would be good for other people to listen to. So I am main, so it is October, 2023 right now. I am mainlining um, some Ed Milet stuff. His stuff recently has been amazing. I love him. Uh, I recently finished, I, I'm an Adam Grant, like disciple, the book, Give, Take, Change My Life. Adam Grant. A, an Enneagram 7 ADHD entrepreneur type that gives people the shirt off your back. Reading that book will change that. Um, Rocket Fuel is amazing if you have like a partnership type um, type 
structure of business. So with Pally, my chief of staff and I, we have this like yin yang relationship. It's called, um, and it, the book Rocket Fuel crushes how to do that well. Um, so anytime Adam Grant is speaking, I'm listening. Simon Sinek, I love his stuff. Uh, there's a book right now though, hold on that I'm reading and I can't, the name is escaping me. It's Dr. Um, Benjamin Hardy. 10, 10X is better than 2X. Have you heard of that? I have not. 10X is better than- Oh my God. So to be on my team, it's a requirement that you have to read Never Split the Difference. And I think I'm going to make it a requirement that you have to read this book too. I'm in the middle of it right now and it is phenomenal. So his podcast episode with Ed Milet, I listened to it three times through. I listened to it again this morning. It is like, you have to listen to it. And I almost don't want to even ruin it by telling you about it because it's like- I'm going to go listen to it. It's on the Ed on Ed's podcast. Yeah. So then he also he wrote a book called 10X is better than 2X, but his uh the hour version of that is um the episode of Ed. All right. So let's now switch to more fun personal stuff. What are some of your favorite movies, TV shows, groups, bands, songs? <laughs> uh, that's the worst. That's the worst question ever. What are you listening to when you're uh you know listening and you're looking to get hype? I listen to whatever chill or it doesn't have to be hype podcast i i really okay so literally like i i love it like i live for it i literally will listen to anything that is educational i have like the curiosity of uh i mean i that's awesome anything that is yeah i i'm so nerdy and that's why i love jonathan he's the same way <laughs> mega mega dark well, look, that's uh, what a lot of successful people have, a desire to learn and grow and be curious. So that's fantastic. Well, you gave us some good, some good leads on that. Uh, tell me a little bit about travel with kids and this and that. Where, where are some of the places you guys like to go? Yeah, we, we prioritize. A travel area, a tourist. <laughs> we, prioritize, we prioritize traveling. It's really, really important to me that my kids are well-rounded and know how to navigate you know, a major city. I think one of the things that has really been an underrated dynamic of my like being is being able to navigate like in my head Paris for example or like so when you're in a customer service setting building rapport is so much easier because I've been really everywhere and I and I've been everywhere several times and it's because I grew up in Europe but I prioritizing that with my kids has been really challenging because they're young and annoying but also it's a priority we go to the same place in Italy every year and um Forcing them to engage in their broken English Italian is a priority too. You know, just creating like controlled environments of adversity because we live in a bubble here, you know, and I pay a lot of money to live in a bubble, but then we kind of force adversity on them elsewhere. See, it's more that also the theme of growing and educating your children. It's just so interesting. That thread runs through uh, your entire story, your entire life. And that gets me back to the beginning. You were, we were discussing how you have to adapt when you move around and you're able to meet different people and connect on so many different levels. It's like a magic, it's like a magic tool to have. And certainly seems that that's come in handy for you. Cause I imagine day to day, hour to hour, you have to pivot with the type of person you're dealing with, whether it's a hedge fund CEO, or then it's a 21 year old bonus baby athlete, or it's, you know, a retiree couple. I mean, you've got to be able to uh, be quick on your feet and connect with all these people. So talk to me a little bit about how that has helped you in your career. I mean, it's obvious, but I'd love to hear your yeah. take on it. Well, so in, in real estate, it's something that, um, God, if, if, if there's one thing I recommend doing, especially when you're starting out in real estate, if you aren't well-traveled, just in the United States, go to big cities, all the big cities, like 
like New York, Denver, Austin, Nashville, and just, just get a feel for how those cities are even laid out. Because when you have an inbound relocation, being able to find the same, like I know if you said you grew up next to UCLA, right? Like I know exactly what big lot means to you, right? Like yard size, because I've been there. And I know that that's not the same as a yard size in Seattle, Washington, which is acres and acres and acres, right? Like, so just knowing it, it helps, I, I can't even put a, I can't even quantify how much it helps knowing when people say like, um, and of course it was in real estate, you always want to double down when someone says that I want a large master bedroom. It's like, well, for owner suite, well, what do you mean by large? Right. But someone from New York city saying that and someone from Austin, Texas, like we're having two different conversations. Right. <laughs> Correct. So it seems like it's been, it's been huge. Uh, anything else, any other words of wisdom you would give to agents that are either starting out or people that are trying to grow their business and, dealing with the challenges, you know, what are, you've broken down so many different things as we went, but if there's anything else that you want to leave us with, the mic is yours, the floor is yours. Thanks. Um, I, I have a hundred questions to ask you. I need to have you on my non-existent podcast. Um, I will say if you ever have the opportunity to work with a professional athlete, make sure you're getting to their wealth advisor or their agent or their business manager with bells on. They make the decisions. And if you are in the middle of a real estate transaction and they don't know about it, you're going to get your ass handed to you. Don't cut them out. Keep them copied. Keep them CC'd on those emails. 100%. The most petty, small, stupid thing that will cost you a relationship. <laughs> 100%. And I would say double down, triple down on that with athletes, celebrities, high profile people. They all come with those advisors and they are the decision makers. And even if the client said, yeah, yeah, it's all good, you do need to loop those people in, otherwise you are risking. Don't sleep on the agent, yeah. yeah exactly. And wasting a lot of time. I know I've dealt with that as well. Good lessons. Well, I loved having you. You shared so much, so much stuff with us. I love it. Uh, I look forward to being, I think I'm going in December to uh, to visit some friends. So I'll try to come visit you up there. I'd love to see yeah. Jupiter and check out What's going on above Palm Beach for sure? We should shoot uh, some content. We should shoot some content. Hey, Jonathan, um, he came and we did like a little tour to Jupe, a mini one, then we recorded everything and just had some like walk and talk conversations. I think there's a ton of synergy in a weird way between your market and um, and what you guys deal with and and, uh, and ours here. That'd be, that'd be cool, like our. 100%. Well, thank you for sharing time with us. You were awesome. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you so much for having Thanks. me. Thanks, you were great. Me.